Judges chapter number 12, 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Today we're going to be talking about the topic, American Shibboleth. American Shibboleth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, that the Bible stands, O God, and when a lot of things in this world is ever-changing. We thank you, Lord, that we can rely on the truth that's written in your words. So we pray, Father, that you would help us remove all the distractions in our hearts and our minds, our emotions that may be uh, taking away from listening and focusing at you, dear God. Help us, Father, to realize the truths that you want us to realize. Help us that we can go back to a point, to the point in time when our heart standeth in awe of thy word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. American Shibboleth. Why, do you title, why, why is the title of this message American Shibboleth, Brother Francis? We'll get to that here pretty soon. But first, let's read our text, shall we? Judges chapter number 12, verse 5. I'm going to start in verse 5. I'd like to start in verse 1. But for time's sake, after Moses died and Joshua died, Israel was led by people known as judges. Hence the name of the book, right? And while this was happening... Ephraim, one of the tribes of Israel, out of ego or out of envy or jealousy, started to go against their brethren. And this is what happened. Verse number five. And the Gileadites took the passages of Jordan before the Ephraimites. And it was so when those Ephraimites, which were escaped, said... Let me go over, that the men of Gilead said unto him, Art thou an Ephraimite? And he said, Nay. Then said they unto him, Say now, Shibboleth. And he said, Sibboleth. He can't say H, the, word, the letter H. For he could not frame to pronounce it right. Then they took him and slew him at the passages of Jordan, and they fell at the time of the Ephraimites, at that time of the Ephraimites, 40 and 2,000. So the story is that the tribe of Ephraim started to become jealous of the rest of their brethren, that they started to intermingle with them and then burn their houses. And then, so what the judge said, well, this is how we know that they're Ephraimites. All right? When you ask them if they're Ephraimites, they're not going to say, yes, we are, because that's how we're going to capture them. So he said, here's the strategy. Ask them if they can say the word Shibboleth. And the Ephraimites could not pronounce the letter H, I guess, because of their accent. And they, when they said, they tried to say Shibboleth, but instead they would say Sibboleth. And that's how the rest of their brethren knew, hey, you're the one that's been burning our house. And they would take them and kill them. 
Okay? What's the point of that story, Brother Francis? Let me tell you this. A lot of people who claim to be our brethren are the ones who are harming us or the ones that are giving us the wrong teaching or the wrong doctrine or the wrong whatever you have. So everyone ought to be, to be honest enough to say, Shibboleth. If they can't say it, then they're being dishonest. Amen. Which leads us to the next verse in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Perilous means dangerous, not fun. Amen. Perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good. Does that sound like 2021 to you? Amen. Look at the next verse. Traitors, heady, uh, heady high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. This is where I want to go. Go to having a form of godliness, meaning they look godly. Meaning when you look at them, you can't come to a different conclusion other than they must be Christians. When you look at them, they have the form. They look like it. They sound like it. They, they talk like it. They do all the actions of a godly person. The problem is, form does not cut it, does it? It says they look godly. They have the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof and the bible's instruction is what from such turn away well before we go there this sermon is actually not an original from brother francis i credit it to a fellow by the name of a, pa a preacher by the name of brother bill grady so I borrow heavily from it. And just like he said, uh, Charles Spurgeon said, If a man will be read, he must read. And if a man will be quoted, quoted, he must quote. So I do the same thing and I give the uh, credit to him and mostly return the glory to God. My story starts in the Treaty of Paris, December 10, 1890. 98. We were not there yet. All right? I was not there yet. But in that treaty, the Philippines, along with Puerto Rico and Guam, was sold to the United States for $20 million. A lot of money back then. Now, that's a prize winner for a prize fight for a boxer. Right? During that time, the Philippines was under Spain. And, of course, heavily Roman Catholic. Nobody was allowed to have a Bible during that time. And then because, because of that, nobody was allowed to go to school unless you are a mestizo. Mestizo means you're mixed breed, half Filipino and half Spanish. And you cannot even go to school unless you are a boy, a male. 
All right? So, the, U- the Philippines was sold to the United States. And when that happened, long story short, guess what? All of a sudden, education was opened up to everyone, boy or girl, whatever race you are. The problem during that time when the American soldiers came in, there were no teachers. And there were no curriculum to teach the students, to teach the little Filipino boys and girls how to read. So guess who were the first, who were the first teachers? Before the missionaries, before it opened up to the missionaries, you're right, but before the, before, uh, the country was opened up by the military to the missionaries, it was the soldiers. The U.S. soldiers. And because there were no, because there were no curriculum to teach the soldiers with, or the, the, the students with, guess what they used to teach? Every single soldier back then. This is probably not true anymore. Correct me if I'm wrong. But back then, every single soldier back then had a standard issue King James Bible. And then, we open, and then the Philippines was opened up to missionaries. Thank you for that, Miss Ingrid. And then the, op- the, the, the Philippines was opened up to missionaries, and people started flooding in. The gateway to Asia was the Pearl of the Orient, which is the Philippines. Missionaries would come to the Philippines and start over there and then go out to China and to different areas of Asia. I say that to say all this. Guess who is a product of all of that? Praise God. All glory goes to God. Amen. Mr. Francis Simeon, just a sinner saved by grace, standing in front of you right now. Well, throughout all the years of preaching, guess what? I learned, just like a lot of you has learned, have learned, that there are three different kinds of Christians in all kinds of churches. Three kinds of Christians... In all the churches that we have. Number one, and every one of us starts from here. There's nothing wrong with being a Bible receiver, meaning we didn't know any better. It was preached to us, so all that happened was it was we, we just received it. There's nothing wrong with being a Bible receiver or just receiving the Bible. What's wrong is if you keep if you just stay there, right? So Bible receivers, they don't know any better. They're just learning. No problem there. What's wrong is if you stay there and all you do is receive, 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 and you don't know how to give. You don't know how to share the Word of God, and you're not growing at all. Bible receivers. And then from there, it branches out to two major kinds. Number one, number two is the Bible deceivers. All of a sudden, people think, people get this notion that, eh, you know, the Bible is just a guide. It's not a final authority. It's not something that we need to learn. Eh, it's just, you know, it's more important to live and love and, and, just, and just, you know, come together and, 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 and love one another. That's important, but that's not the main thing. Amen. And then last but not the least is the Bible believers. These are the ones who are willing to die, to stand and to die for what they believe, no matter what anyone says. The good thing is, God right now is not asking us to to die 
for the God's words because Jesus Christ did that already for us. He's only asking us to live for it. Amen. Three kinds of Christians. The Bible receivers, the Bible deceivers, and the Bible believers. Question is, which one are you this morning? Amen. So my, 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 my message is going to, uh, to uh, focus on number two over there, the Bible deceivers or the pseudo-Bible believers. They say they believe the Bible. They say they love Jesus Christ. They say they're Christians. They know what the answers are. They know the songs. They know the whole shebang of being a Christian. But then when you dig deeper, they're pseudo-Bible believers, fake Bible believers. You with me? Number one, their final authority is non-existent. You say you're Baptists, right? Can if I have a pop quiz number two right now and ask you, why are you a Baptist? I wonder what the answer, don't answer right now, but I wonder what your answer would be. Well, because this is the right church that Jesus Christ started. And praise God for that. But guess what? Everyone else would say that too. Right? Do you know that you are a Baptist because of this? Because a set of because of a set of beliefs that sets you apart from everyone else. Number one, B, Bible is our final authority. Number two, A, autonomous churches. We don't have a we don't have a Vatican that orders every single church as this is what you're supposed to preach every Sunday. P priesthood of believers. That means you don't have to go through a priest to know what God's will is. You don't have to go to a priest to pray. You can go straight to God. Amen. T, two offices, meaning two offices, pastors, and uh, deacons. I, individual soul liberty. You can have a pastor which guides you and feeds you, but be on top of all of that, there's nothing. He is nothing else to you. He cannot hold you accountable to anything. He can suggest or encourage or build you up. But I cannot say if you're absent on Sunday, you're going to hell. <laughs> S, separation of church and state. Right? I'm not saying, hey, these are things that are found in the U.S. Constitution. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying these are Baptist beliefs that separates you from everyone else. T, two picture ordinances. Baptism for the believers only and communion. Would that have been your answer? I wonder if somebody's answer would be, well, because we've been going through a, to a Baptist church all day, all, all our life. But you know what? Pseudo-Bible believers, they will say they believe that. But really, if you dig deep, you will find loopholes. Pseudo-Bible believers will avoid the topic of biblical inspiration and preservation like the plague. They will avoid it. They will talk to it when you talk about it when you corner them about it, but they will avoid it like the plague. But when you corner them, number two, they'll tell you that they believe the Bible is the perfect word of God. If you look at all the, if you find a church, whether it's here or a Bible college, whether it's here or in, around the country or around the world, they'll say the Bible is the perfect word of God. But that's too generic now, is it? 
when you, when you ask them, when you, 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 you dig deeper some more, when asked if what he holds in his hand and preaches in his pulpit is perfect, he will tell you that only the original manuscripts are perfect, not anything. He will tell you that no Bible in existence today is perfect. See? When you ask a preacher about shibboleth, he ought to be able to say shibboleth. Every Bible-believing Christians should, Christian should have a pastor who is honest enough to tell you, when I believe the Bible, I believe that what I hold in my hand is the perfect Word of God, or else you have a shibboleth problem. Amen? That's why the Bible says in, the, in, uh, in John chapter number 5, verse 39, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Come on, Brother Francis, that's such an old stick-in-the-mud stand that you have. The standing for the King James Bible is not important anymore, or standing for the per- perfect Bible is not important anymore. We just need to lead people to Jesus Christ. Well, what do you have? If you don't have the perfect Bible, the Bible says the scriptures testify of me. The scriptures are the one that tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's why it's important. Number one, sign of pseudo Bible believers. Their final authority is non-existent. Number two, they have a strong desire to appear scholarly. They have a strong desire to appear scholarly. Used to be the term pastor was such a high office and a revered office, people actually cared that they were pastors. Amen. People actually, people actually thought that they were, you know, that they held the office, one of the highest office in, offices in the land. They don't take it lightly. Now, They don't take it. They, they, it's, just another, it's just another position that people don't respect anymore. You know what? They started saying, maybe people will believe me more if I have a doctorate behind my name. A fellow by the name of Sam Gipp said, quote, a doctorate is like a black belt in karate. <laughs> it looks good on you, but it can get you or somebody else hurt, <laughs> unquote. So I'm not saying you're bad, you're wicked, you're going to hell, preacher or Christian, if you have a doctorate behind your name or whatever, whatever uh, education or degree you have. I'm just saying if you're using this to try to be better than other people or if you're using this to be the one who is the only one who can interpret God's word, then you're sadly mistaken. The title, Brother Once I Wore. People used to be happy with just being called brother or sister in Christ. Amen. The title, brother, once I wore, but that can satisfy no more. Since on my journey up to fame, they added MDiv, Master of Divinity, to my name. But still, it did not seem quite right. What could give me true delight? (gasps) Now they call me doctor, how I love it. No other title is above it. Never was I thrilled like that before, as on the day upon my door, they added doctor to my name. Now I'll never be the same. So call me doctor, man alive. On my ego, I must thrive. 
And at conferences, I will shine. Praise the Lord, the title's mine. Once I was humble, now I'm proud. Walking erect with the doctor crowd. Surely the world had need of me, a man of learning. What a grand degree. The apostle knew no such bliss, for he had no title equal to this. I tell you, my brothers, I've never been the same since they added doctor to my name. Again, Nothing wrong if you have a good degree. I'm just saying that does not make you better. That, that does not make you the only one who can interpret God's word. I'm sick and tired of this preacher lady distinction. Clergy lady distinction. What do you mean, Brother Francis? That means people look up to pastors saying, you're the only one who can understand this, brother. Can you explain this to me? No. Guess what? The Bible was given to pastors and preachers just as much as it was given to every single one of us. You don't need me to interpret that for you. Amen. Getting quiet. That's why in Matthew chapter number 11, verse 25, it says, At the time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Amen. Isaiah 66, verse 1 and 2. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my home, and the earth is my footstool. And, and this is after, the, after they returned from captivity, and, and Israel said, let's build a home for God. Let's build a temple for God. And God said, the heaven is my home, and the earth is my footstool. Why do you want to build me a, a, a nice temple? Where is the house that you built unto me, he said? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath my, ma- my hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit. Watch it now. Who does God look at? Does not even say a pastor, does it? It just says man. So every single one of us are in, in equal footing here. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and has a big church. (laughs) No. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor of a contrite spirit and is very likable. That is poor and of a contrite spirit and is very charismatic and does not speak with a lisp like Brother Francis sometimes. That is poor and of a contrite spirit And trembleth at my word. When was the last time you read God's word and just went, Lord, that is some deep truth over there. That is who God looks at. And see, you ought to have a pastor if you're going to a church or or you ought to have a Bible teacher. Not just a pastor, a Bible teacher. You ought yourself to be able to, to say to yourself, you know what? Shibboleth means shibboleth. That means when I say I believe the Bible, I mean I believe the Bible. Number one, the uh, final authority is non-existent. Number two, a strong desire to appear scholarly. Number three, cooth over truth. What does that mean? Well, what he's saying is right, but I don't like the way he said it. Well, 
He didn't speak the truth in love. Meaning, it does not matter to the pseudo-Bible believers if what you're saying is Bible, is what, if what you're saying is gospel, if what you're saying is the truth. If you don't say it in a nice and caring way, they're not going to receive it. You've heard that before, amen? 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse 12 says, Seeing that he, we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Not flattering words, amen, but plainness of speech. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 10. For his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak. Uh, and his speech, what? Contemptible. You don't open the Bible and read stuff that you like 100% of the time, Amen. You're going to receive stuff that you don't like, but it's needful. Amen. Well, that King James Bible, is, it's just, it's, it's so hard to understand. Flesh Kincaid grade level reading comprehension puts the King James Bible at grade 5.8 average, meaning a fifth grader can read that. Right? If you look at the syllables per word, the King James Bible has 1.310 syllables per word average compared to the longest over here, which, which would be the NIV 1.327. It's harder. You know what their selling point is? It's easier to read the NIV because it's modern language. It's actually harder to read. Look. Sorry, I'm going back here. Can I go back one into the flesh Kincaid, Brother Mike, please? The average grade point level of somebody who will understand the NIV is grade 8.4. 5.8 with the King James Bible. It's easier to understand. Well, people say, well, that's Old English. If I, if I showed you what Old English is, Nobody would understand it. Amen. Syllables per word, we talk about that. And now I'm, now I'm at percentage of long words over here. In the Old Testament, the King James Bible has 11.6% of, word, of, of long words. When the biggest one would be the uh, NKJV over here. The New Testament has 12.06 of long words. And the biggest one would be the, N, uh, the NASV. What I'm trying to say over here is, it's not. It's not hard to understand. It's not hard to read. You know what? Yes, it is. If you're not saved, amen. But if you are, that's not an excuse. Well, Brother Francis, what you're saying is true, but you did not say it the right way. Or you did not say it the caring way. The preference of the pseudo-Bible believers is couth over truth. They would rather have us united than be true. Why can't we just be united and true at the same time? Amen. Why does it have to be one or the other? Amen. That's why the Bible says in um, 
2 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse 4, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Not with enticing words of man's wisdom. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse 6, But though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. Rude in speech, yet not in knowledge. Number one, the uh, final authority is non-existent. Number two, the desire to look scholarly more than truth, truthful. Number three, the desire of couth over truth. Number four, shallow knowledge of the Bible. Shallow knowledge of the Bible. First Thessalonians chapter number two, verse 13 says, for this, oh, sorry, uh, um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Areas where pseudo-Bible believers are bad at or are found wanting, they don't know how to rightly divide the scriptures. Number two, they don't know how, to, they're wanting at cross-referencing. What do you mean cross-referencing, Brother Francis? Well, if I study one word in the Bible, because I know my Bible is perfect and I know it's a word-for-word -word translation, if I look for another word, the same word in another passage, I know that I'm cross-referencing at the same exact place where I'm supposed to be. But if your Bible is translated by just somebody who would just say, you know, let's just translate it this way or let's, let's just translate it that way, then you cannot be accurate at cross-referencing. You're not going to hit the mark. So if you're poor at right division of Scripture, if you're poor at cross-referencing, then you will also be poor at doctrine. Amen. That's why a lot of churches these days, they focus on feeling and just accuse us of being too doctrinal and too dogmatic. And your church is just so dry because you're all doctrine. Areas, another area where they're found wanting, real biblical worship. Do you know what worship means? Worship is not Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night at all. Only. People have the idea that when they come to church and start feeling the Holy Spirit, and then all of a sudden they do this, people have the idea that that's worship. That worship is something that they do. Worship is not something that you do. Worship is something that you are. And that's 100% of the time. Or else you have a Sibboleth problem. Amen? That's why the Bible says, For this cause, also thank we God without ceasing. Because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God which... Watch it now. What is required for the Word of God to take effect in your life? The Word of God which effectually worketh also in you that has a Bible that you don't read. Is that what it says? That effectually worketh also in you that believe. You know when that Word of God is going to take effect on you? When you believe it. How can you believe it if you don't have it? How can you believe it if you don't read it? How can you believe it if it's not preached to you? How can you believe it if it's, you don't take importance in it? Amen. 
Number one, non-existent of the final authority. Number two, desire to look more scholarly. Number three, truth over truth. truth. Number four, shallow, shallow knowledge of the Bible. Number five, big church, huge growth movement over, over truth. I understand that today, a lot of people think that if you're a big church, you must be spiritual. I understand a lot of people today think if you have a lot of assets, if you have a lot of riches, if you have a huge building, you must be doing something right. That's not always the case. Majority is not always the case with the Bible. Because if I remember correctly, it was only the Lord Jesus Christ and two malefactors in the cross and everyone else was looking up to Him. The majority was looking up to Him. Jesus Christ was minority. Amen? The Bible says, perverse disputings, 1 Timothy six verse five and six perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth supposing that gain is godliness you know how many preachers have contacted me and said you know what this is what you need to do and your first baptist church will boom boost you know how many how many i've talked to and said this here are here's a group here's a list of things you can do so that boom your attendance would grow and you know what? I'm not against that. I hope to God that we have enough people over here. Amen. But if you don't start, if you don't start with the right things, and you suppose that gain is godliness, then there's danger there. Number one, their final authority is non-existent. Number two, the desire to look, the desire to look. Uh, Scholarly. Number three, cooth over truth. Number four, shallow knowledge of the Bible. Number five, um, big church movement over truth. Number six, cute cliches over Bible truth. Cute cliches over Bible truth. I'm almost done, so hang, hang, uh, hang with me for a bit here. Bear with me for a, a bit. Some cliches. Some cute cliches to avoid making a decision for the purity and per- perfection of the Bible. I have heard this many times. Amen. Number one, it should be, it should not, I'm not going to read all of this. It should not be the main thing or the main issue of your church. I've heard this too a lot, a lot of times. I don't want to debate this with you or I don't want to cross swords with you. We've had uh, an individual over here who kept telling me that. He's not with us anymore. He, He kept telling me, I don't want to cross swords with you, Brother Francis. And then, but then he would. He would throw out doctrines that are unbiblical and then when he couldn't get to me, he turned around and got to some or, or tried to get some of you. Praise God for your stand. Amen. He's not no longer with us. You know what that tells me? It either says two things if you don't want to cross swords. And when I say debate or cross sword, that's not what I want to do either. But we, let's discuss. What a, timely, what a timely example, Miss Elaine, when somebody sent us a, a, a message, and you might be listening over here today, sir, and they said, stop lying to the people. And I said, Miss Elaine, we probably don't want to reply to them. But if we do, I would like to be, I would be interested to know what I made a mistake on. <laughs> because I don't know any, everything myself either, Amen. So it tells me when they say that, that they either know everything already, or number two, what they know, they don't want to change. 
Some people say, oh, that Paul and Jesus have the King James Bible. Some people say, they say all, you know, ah, they all say, say the same things and lead us all to the same, this, uh, same place. And some people say, as long as we love each other. Now, some people say, I believe the King James Bible, but I don't worship it. I've heard that a lot of times. Well, look at how the Lord Jesus, or how God puts importance in His Word. Philippians 2, 9-11 says, Wherefore God had highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Can you tell me by this verse, is the name of Jesus Christ important? Amen. Matter of fact, it's the most important name of all. Amen. Every knee should bow and every tongue should, should, shall confess. But guess what God did in Psalm chapter 132, verse 8. I will worship toward the holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Here are the pseudo Bible believers saying, you know what? This is Jesus' name. The Bible is important. Yeah, but let's just not put that above God's name. Here's God saying, this is Jesus' name. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And this is my word. I magnify it above my name. That's why it's important. That's why we take a hard stand. Last but not the least, everything is great until the term King James Bible is mentioned. <laughs> what do you mean, Brother Francis? In Acts chapter number 22, the Apostle Paul was preaching to the Israelites over there. And he said unto them, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. He mentioned the term Gentiles. And they gave him audience unto this, this word. When they heard him say the word Gentiles, guess what they did? And then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. Everyone is good and everything is well. When you are with the circles of Christians and you're talking about worship, when you're talking about uh, 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 soul winning, when you're talking about Christian life, when you're talking about things that change your life and blessings. But when you start talking about the King James Bible and when you start talking about doctrine, away with such a fellow from the earth for it is not fit that he should live. Why was it called, why was it called American Shibboleth, Brother Francis? And then I'm done. By the grace of God, like I said earlier, guess who is a product of God's work bringing the Bible to the Philippines? Brother Francis in front of you, right? By God's grace, I've had, an I had a couple of experience. Not, not like I'm, I'm not bragging on this. I'm bragging on the Lord here. By God's grace, I've had the experience of preaching to a gymnasium, about 3,000, or not 3,000, 300 people in there. I've also preached to tribesmen. I've preached to tribesmen with a communist rebel embedded among them. 
And I knew about it because the guy who was hosting that meeting set, pulled me aside one before the preaching and said, Brother Francis, see this guy over here and that guy next to him? They're communist rebels. They're here to listen to see if what you're preaching has something to do with them. Oh, what an encouragement. <laughs> Guess what? The next few days when, we wo- oh, when they woke up, our tricycle. You know what a tricycle is? It's kind of like a tuk-tuk. Or maybe you've seen the Andy Griffith show. Remember when, uh, when Barney find, found this World War II motorcycle with a sidecar right next to it and he was so excited about it? Tricycle. That was our mode of transportation over there in the, in the mountains. Our tricycle was burning in flames from the communist rebels who did not like what, we, what they heard in preaching. I've preached... I've taught in Asia Bible Baptist College in Manila, taught in their graduate school program, and one of my students was, was one of the Greek critics of the King James Bible. I'm just saying all that to say this. Nothing about what I've done, all, all by the grace of God. I'm just saying that now we've come to full circle. The Bible came to the Philippines, and then I'm a product of that, and praise God, he led me over here. You sent the King James Bible and missionaries to our country, and now I come here, and whoa, now what's going on? (laughs) What's going on? How come there's all kinds of Bibles now? All of a sudden, this country is more concerned about being nice rather than being true when you were the ones who brought the truth to us. I'm here to tell you, God looks at people who have a contrite heart heart, and those that tremble at His word. He doesn't care about crowds or big buildings, although, yeah, sure, praise God if we have that. But what's more important to Him is His word because he has exalted it above his name. Why American shibboleth? I'm done. America, America was founded by Christian men, godly men. Amen? Yes or no? Do we still believe that? <laughs> I hope so. America was founded by godly Christian men who stood for the truth of the Bible. They were willing to die for it. Amen. The past few years, we've heard about a cry for America to be great again. Yes, and I agree. That's my prayer too. And rightfully so. I wish that as well. Can I ask you this? And then we're done. Can you tell me what Bible God used to make America great? Not any of the new versions. So you mean to tell me all throughout the churches in, in America today, we have Christians saying, Lord, please make America great again. And I agree with them. And we should. Amen. There are Christians all around the country saying, Lord, please make America great again. And then God's saying, well, why don't you go back to the Bible that made America great? And Christians are saying, whoa, now, Lord, whoa, now, whoa, now. You got a shibboleth problem. Christians can't say shibboleth anymore 
It's all sibboleth, meaning you say you're one thing and then you're not. How about that today? I hope that explains why Brother Francis stands so hard on this. It's not, it's not my intention to be ugly to everyone. This is why when you voted on me, I kept asking you, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do that? Because this is not a light thing. This, I do not take this lightly. We answer to God. We answer to the living God who puts his word far above his name. And that's why we need to stand up for God's word. That's why we have to make a decision. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your wondrous grace. All but for the grace of God, dear God. That's, not, that's why we have your words. And that's why... We have your book. And it's the same book that the godly men who signed that Declaration of Independence, the same book who, uh, that, that the godly men who, who uh, wrote down the amendments and uh, constitution, ratified them, their God, the same men who built this country, used. And we pray, Father, that you would help us go back. to the purity and the preservation of your words. Lord, if I could ask for something, I would probably say something that, like this. Lord, we don't want to have enemies and we don't want, we, we would like to be, there, I would love it if there was a lot of us in here, but, but I know the truth and I know that that's not the nature of the truth. The truth is always minority in this world until you come to, 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 to uh, catch us away. And so we ask, Father, that you would help us grow in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.